Hello everyone and welcome to the Impunity Observer podcast. This is your host Mauro Echeverria and it is a pleasure to be here. Our guest today is Joanna Guerra. Joanna is a Mexican lawyer and philosopher. She's also an advocate for freedom. Joanna is the director at NGO Fundación Federalismo y Libertad. In addition, she's a professor and runs a law firm. Uh, today we will discuss about the electoral reform that Mexican President Andrés Manuel López Obrador was trying to pass in Congress. Uh, this reform raised many doubts and it has generated uh, a heated public debate in Mexican society. Welcome, Joanna, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, on December 6, this reform was rejected in Congress, but the government is, is, is still trying to pass a plan B. How will this be different? Uh, can you tell us more about this plan B? Yes. Thank you, Mauro. Thank you for having us. Well, having me. And well, this plan B, as it is officially called, the main thing is that it doesn't change the constitution. It only changed the secondary laws. So at the beginning, the original reform was going to be about 12 points. I'm going to talk about them later. But with this plan B, uh, the president is... I couldn't say he's very happy, he's just happy because some changes were made, especially he claims that they saved like 30 million pesos, something like that, which is a lot of money, but he wanted to save like, he wanted to save 15 million and they saved three. Uh, but mainly the changes are that the political parties are going to be able to save a little bit of the money and use them for the next elections. Uh, which I think that opens door to corruption. Another of the changes is all of those are in law, not constitutional. Another one of the changes is that they didn't get to change the Instituto Nacional Electoral Organ, like in the, the way that is formed. So this is a, a huge win for the democracy and for Mexican. They didn't get to change the number of the people, of the, our representatives, which is another win. Mainly, the changes are kind of small, but I see it, even though the plan passed, literally, they just gave the plan at 3 a.m. and at 7 in the morning, it was approved. So nobody read it. I still don't know it because the news, uh, nobody knows it. Even the congressman said we didn't read it, but we approve it because we want to change the problem to the another one. So they didn't make all the changes. Uh, the, the main one is that that the parties will save the money and use them for the next elections. Here in Mexico, we are like very polarized. We have on one hand, it's called the Bloque Conservador, who is all the people who are not from the leftists. And the left people is in a coalition. We have the, the party that's in the power, that's Morena. The president is from Morena. And they, uh, they have two allies. One is Verde Ecologista and the other one is Partido del Trabajo. By the names, you can say that they are like so very for the, from the left. And Partido Verde and Partido del Trabajo are very small. So they made this coalition and it is the left. And what they claim or a big win for them in this plan B is that if they don't get the 3% that they used to need to be in the Congress and to remain as a party, they can donate or interchange votes so they can keep with the party without this 3%. They can win the 3%, like the three of them, which totally they will because they have Morena. But if Morena ha, or, or PT or Partido Verde has like an extra, they can give it as a gift to the alias, uh, alias so they can keep in the power. So I think this is like a big loss to democracy because if they 
were not voted, then it's because people don't want them. So that's pretty much the plan B. Right. Sounds kind of crazy. But talking about the old reform that Amina was trying to introduce, what are the main 12 changes you said that he was trying to implement in Mexico? Okay, this original reform is a very complex situation. So first I'm going to explain what is the INE, and then I'm going to explain what they tried to change, and then what they did change. Okay, so I'm going to give the answer in three in three stages. So in Mexico, we have these autonomous organs. Uh, those organs are created because of social needs. For example, they could be economical, political, monetary system, human rights, transparency, whatever. Okay, they are older than me, but in political, they are new. And the INE, now it's called INE, it started as IFE, is Instituto Federal Electoral. It was created in the 90s. 1990, because after the election, Mexico had like a dictatorship, like a legal dictatorship that is free, Partido Revolucionario Institucional. They are in center. Okay. So they're like social democrats. So they did elections when they were counting the votes, the electric lights were gone. So they committed a fraud. And then it was like, like a chaos. And then the result was, okay, we are going to create an autonomous organ to check elections. And that was, that is how the IFE was created. The IFE has, well, has because it changed in 2014 with the last reform, but uh, well, it became INE. Okay, so if I say IFE or INE, it's the same. Uh, the same autonomous organ who checks the elections. So the INE, what did, I think is they are the most important institution in Mexico because it's the only one that people trust in and we trust in the INE because we know that it is autonomous but we are like very close to this institution because it, it sounds a little bit crazy but uh, one of their jobs that they do I think the main job is that they give us our ID so uh, they give us our ID and it is for free it's super fast literally you turn 18 and one week, week later you can have your ID so people, and they are doing like this constant campaign, like go and get your IFE and you, you need the IFE for everything. Okay. We don't have any other ID that make us be as a proper citizen. We do have the passport, but you need, if you want a passport, you have to pay for it. And our cost of a passport is from $60, I think is the cheaper and it's for a year. So this job, uh, giving the IDs is the main one. Okay, also one of the of the jobs that the INE does is that they organize elections, local and federal. That includes checking, that is something very important because it's the only organ in, in the world who does that. And they check the campaign times and the legality of the campaigns. So we have like many parties and each party, according to the votes that they have, they have like time for campaigns during uh, elections, okay? For example, if Morena wins, they have an hour. If PRI is second, they have 50 minutes. If PAN is third, they have 45 minutes. Okay. So literally what they are doing, they are checking the air television, the programs on the radio, YouTube channels, like everything checking that they, that they have the time, like the, the hour the, that, that they don't exceed the time because that is cheating. And that is another of their of their jobs that I think that is very difficult. And they also check that the candidates are able to be chosen. That means that they are not in the narco, that they were not presidents before, whatever. Also, uh, they guarantee that the independent candidates 
and political parties have uh, the air and time radio that I explained already. And they count the votes. And something that is very important is that here in Mexico, the elections are made by, I mean, INE organize the elections. They give the paper, they put the, the boxes where you vote, everything. And something very important is that our neighbors go and they count and they check that you are the person in the INE. So it's like we are very close to the INE. We are like part of them because every election, you well, not, not every election, but if it's your turn, you have to go and, and be there and be counting or whatever. So when they are counting and they do the addition of the state, the neighborhood, whatever, we have something that is the pre-counting, the prep. By this, we have like, I don't know, elections are the first Sunday of July. So around 10 or 11 p.m., we kind of know the result because of this pre-counting. And that is very important. And that's what the INE does, that they check. Okay, that's in order to, to avoid fraud. So those were the old INE. Okay, and the amount of money that they have was, this year budget was around 15 million pesos. Okay, that's like a lot of money. But it's not a lot of money because there are like another project, not institutions, but projects that are way more expensive. For example, we have a refinery that is done in the South when they don't have like the best, petro the best oil or anything. And the cost of it was 3,000 million pesos. Okay, so with nine zeros. So it's like a lot of money. And democracy was just 15 million. Okay, so... Of course, if you ask me, is that 14, 15 million a lot of money? Yes, of course. For an institution, no, <laughs> especially this big. Then AMLO decided, in this case, I'm just talking about the president because even though that we have like the three powers, the three branches of the government, pretty much everything is concentrated in Mr. President, okay? So he decided that it was like a lot of money and we have, since he started, we have this... Franciscan austerity ideas or principles or these kind of things that they are very populist. And well, he said that INE has like a lot of money uh, in order to, to follow this uh, austerity, Republican austerity or Franciscan austerity is li literally the way that he says. He decided to change and to make a, a reform about elections. He said is a an electoral reform, but it's quite political. I'm going to tell you the main differences that they were discussed yesterday. I think the session from the Congress was like 16, 18 hours. So it was like a huge discussion. Well, it was not a discussion. They were saying, yes, no, yes, no. That's pretty much 18 hours. And okay, so what he wanted to do, in his mind, he has this 40 project that is called the Fourth Transformation of Mexico. And he wants to, even though that he's living on 2024, he wants to set like, like someone who, who keeps with this transformation ideas, kind of Mao and Fidel. So he's trying to, to change the electoral re uh, register, uh, register. It's not going to be longer administrated by the INE, this ID thing that I told you but it's going to be administrated or done, whatever, by the government. Uh, that is quite dangerous. I mean, check Bolivia's situation. 
So it's like super dangerous. Also, they want to eliminate the local electoral bodies. That means we have federal elections and we, ha we have local elections and the times are not always the same. For example, on 2023, I think we have like three, th um, three local stations in Querétaro, Estado de México, and I don't know where. Then he wanted to change the name, but it's just not the name. He wanted to legalize the public consuls. Uh, so he wants to add elections. That's where people go and make like in a direct democracy, they cross yes or no questions, random. Right, referendums. Yeah, kind of. But the name, Consultas Populares, is, you know, it has like this, the people can do the change ideas. So they have the referendums. And also one of the most dangerous things is that he wanted to change the advisors and magistrates to from 11 to 7. And uh, normally, at this time, they are chosen, they are elected by the political parties because they are specialists. They are lawyers, they love elections, and they are into this electoral stuff, and that's what they do. And now, the, one of the main changes is that citizens will vote for them, like in a referendum, in a consulta popular, but uh, the background is that uh, the three powers of the union, they are going to propose them. Okay, so president is going to give uh, three names, Congress is going to be three, and the court is going to give another three, and then we are going to, to vote for those people and only choose seven. And they are going to earn less money than the president, which is in the law, but the president decided to set like a very funny minimum salary, kind of like Trump, like, in, like a dollar, something like that. I think that this is crazy because if they are shaking, they have to earn well so they, they don't get corrupted. Also, one of the things that they want, uh, that AMLO wants to change is want to stop public financing to political parties, only give them money for electoral campaigns because yearly they have like an amount that comes from our taxes. Then another risky one is that he wanted to make a reduction in the number of deputies and congressmen from 500 to 300 and from senators to from 128 to 96. There was a good point. He wants to allow the federal electronic vote, which I think is necessary, especially for people who can't walk or can't move or people who is outside the country. So I think this one, this one was very good. And he also wanted to change the minimum participation of this referendums, especially for the revocation. It's something that he created around 2021. When he was in campaign, he said that on his third year, he would make a referendum, consulta popular, yes, no question. Do you want the president to keep in power? Yes, no. If 50% said yes, he will leave. Um, but people didn't go to, to vote. And I think only around 30% of Mexican people were to vote. So he wants to change this number to make it legal. He would, uh, It will change from 40 needed to 33%. I think that he got last time 32 or something like that. So those are the changes that he wanted to do. As there were like these demonstrations and all these kind of things, he made a plan B because Kind of, we were nervous. We were like super curious as Mexican. We were like literally biting our nails because it was like democracy. 
he created a plan B. That's the one that was approved today and nobody has read <laughs> the one that I was talking at the beginning. And the changes are not this big because those are what were going to be in the constitution. But well, he changed like to cut the, the, the budget. They allowed this, well, they cut this public financing kind of because now the parties can save the money. And well, the, the, the risk just once were not, didn't pass yet, but still like we are like, we are in, in the middle. So it sucks. Yeah. And, and it seems like AMLO is in a hurry to do this before the uh, 2024 presidential election. Um, why is he doing this? Is he doing this like to change probably the, I don't know, the outcome or the process of the 2024 presidential election or why, what are his main intentions behind this? Yeah, I think he's setting the time for 2024, yes. But I think that he's going, well, I think that he has like two points. He's like doing it for 2030 because they have to do all these reforms and they have to set that the institution is like well done. So for 2024, it's not exactly. As I said before, it's an electoral reform, but I think that the background is political. And the goal is to remain in power, uh, not him, but one of his corcholatas. Since in this moment, we don't have campaigns because it's illegal to be in a campaign. In Morena, there are three people who are AMLO's favorite, who could be the inherit people. So he's trying to prepare and set the times to for them to be on campaign. Now, even now, uh, one of the, of the corcholatas <laughs> is... Claudia Chainbaum, she is the governor of Mexico City. And I think that she has been in campaign the last two, two years. There's even a hashtag that says, es Claudia. And they even said, it's not legal to have a hashtag on, on the walls now. So please stop doing it. And she was like, oh no, it was the citizens. I mean, even the president was like, no, there were the citizens doing that. Come on, we don't have this mind everywhere to create this hashtag and same a kind of letter in this kind of things. So yeah, he's trying to set the times, but also he's trying to prepare the time for the 2023 elections. Because if you don't have like this institution working in the way that they know how to work and you have, you are like six months, seven months after, uh, sorry, before an election, then it's going to be a mess. So it's going to be easier to manipulate the results. And also, if you cut the budget, it's going to be even worse because, you know, when, I don't know, I'm sure it happens everywhere. So if you want to do, to get something for the government, it takes you hours, days and whatever. And with the IFE, it's very easy. You literally uh, fill the form in internet. Then you go, they have your picture, your fingerprints, your signature. One week later, you have, you have it. So it's very efficient and it is perfectly timed for 2023 and 2030. I think 2024 is like in the middle. It's like a transition time. Correct. So we see like multiple signs of concern from NGOs, citizens, academics saying these changes. For example, Human Rights Watch requested, I think it was a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, that requested Congress to reject the reform because it was aggressive and dangerous. Uh, so how do you think uh, this, this reform and these changes that AMLO is still trying to implement are dangerous for democracy? They are absolutely dangerous. I can say we as Mexican are 
doing a suicide. Uh, uh, it's like a kamikaze act. I think is beyond dangerous because the only thing that saves us from a um, tyrant is democracy. So that that is very dangerous. That would be my short answer. Now, my complete answer is that uh, since Samuel started with his mandate, he has the idea of destroying this autonomous organ that I said before. La, he, in fact, he made, he destroyed one that is the INE, that is, I mean, we have INE with one E at the end and INE, Instituto Nacional de Evaluación de Educación, something like that. And it is now closed because they didn't want evaluations uh, for schools. Anyways, so if he already closed one and he took the power of Comisión Nacional de Derechos Humanos, that's also an autonomous organ, he wants to destroy like all of them. And it is like super risky because as you said, even like organizations from outside, like human rights, organizations from inside, like... Causa en Común o Mexicanos Unidos, yeah, like Federalismo y Libertad. <laughs> it's like super dangerous because what they are trying to do is to, to destroy the only institution that in what we trust. Uh, if you say, do you trust in government? The answer is no. Uh, but if you trust in INE, the answer is yes. And I don't say it. Um, the, uh, the, the percentage is, is around 70% where that Mexican trust in the INE. Um, so, yeah, they are uh, killing this, our tiny democracy. And, of course, they are opening the door to tyranny, to poorness, militarization. That is something very dangerous. Corruption, inefficiency. I mean, even yesterday, Comisión Nacional de Derechos Humanos, that is taken by the president, was doing unconstitutional comments saying like, ah, yeah, the constitution should be changed. No, we are an autonomous organ. Shut up. Also, one of the craziest and riskiest thing is that with this especially, uh, they are creating this division. And we have like two demonstrations, one pro-democracy, one pro-morena. And the first one was super spontaneous. It was made on November 13th. And I don't know who started it, but I know it was like social uh, associations and, you know, citizens. And I mean, if you have like a little bit of reason in your life, you know that democracy and people in power is dangerous. You know it since you are a kid. You don't want the same t-shirt that you have in first grade. You don't want her in second. So even as a kid, you know it. Then when you're older and you see that someone is going to be a player and a referee at the same time, you see that it's logical, it is risky. And people just got out on November 13. There was like this campaign. It was done pretty much by Instagram and Twitter, Facebook for the old people. Uh, because, you know, Facebook is for my mom generation. We are kind of Instagram and kids are like on TikTok, 18-year-old people. So there was like this hashtag, Eline no se toca. We don't play with the INE will be something like that, the translation. So people went out spontaneously on November 13th and it was amazing. I was there. Uh, it happened uh, in 50 cities in the, uh, in the country and there were even pro uh, demonstrations in the USA, Spain, the UK, I think some other countries. So anyways, it was like super spontaneous and there was only one speaker. Uh, Ex-presidents were there actors, actresses, YouTubers, 
like a lot of people, it was, you could see that it was not like, like the formal order. It was completely like auto-regulated order. Yeah, spontaneous. Yeah, it's what, I, I just didn't wanted to use the, the word spontaneous more. But it was super spontaneous. There were around, we don't have the official number because of course the government don't want to say it, but it was around from 15 to 20,000 people. Reforma Avenue, that is one of the biggest avenues, was close and full, like super full. Uh, even the back of the of the demonstration, people were not able to walk because there was like a lot of people. It was so crowded. That was the original one. It was so big. Even the, the president in his morning conferences, he said that it was a striptease from the conservatives because they want to show off their power or something like that. So two weeks then, uh, later, he decided to make his demonstration and you could see that it was completely organized. You can see the buses from people who were not in Mexico City. They took this trip paid by our taxes to, to visit my city. And there were over a thousand buses full of people. And uh, the president started his demonstration, which in my mind is a parade because the demonstration is against the government, not by the government. So he started his parade and he was like wearing apparently not security and the three corchoratas that I said before, they were with him and he was shaking hands with the people and something like the Pope, like touching the kids, something, you know, these messianic things that they like. And that was super funny because it lasted six hours and the Zocalo, the main square that like a month ago was filled by Grupo Firme, like, like a Mexican band, it was not even crowded. And Grupo Firme, that was a free show, they did make, a, they, they, they was not able to put a pit in, in the square. So I think that the riskiest part, going back to your question, <laughs> is that freedom and democracy is in danger yes but the most dangerous part is the hate that these situations create so that would be all the questions uh, so i would like to thank you uh, joanna for participating in this episode of the impunity observer podcast and everyone who's watching it please do not forget to subscribe at impunityobserver.com and to follow us on twitter and LinkedIn. thank you so much